0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Uber Cinco, the podcast where we deep dive top fives. I'm Nathan Hennenfent, your host for today, and in the den with me is Brian Ernst and Mitch Brinkman. Today, our contestants will reveal and defend their top five movies with a score of less than 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. Brian, Mitch, welcome. How are you boys doing?
1: Oh, good. Pretty good there.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Just uh, spent a whole bunch of days uh, finding out. How bad my movie taste is, and I had a great time. So,
0: Brian, I know you were doing an accent there, but Mitch, isn't that just like your regular voice?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I actually, if if I call my mother and I don't use that voice, she, she can't understand me. So, um, (laughs) if if I don't mention the word rhubarb in the first twenty words, she hangs up. So,
0: you're no son of mine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, If this is your first time in the Uber Cinco Den, let's wake you out of hibernation with a quick rundown of the rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer.
2: Starting with their number five choice, we will move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But if both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber, Uber
1: You will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber stare down is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final
0: score. And as the host, I am, of course, entitled to put in place a house rule. Should either contestant violate the house rule, they will be severely penalized, so pay close attention. As usual, I'm implementing a golden rule from the old Heninfent family farmhouse. I remember standing with dear old granddad at the edge of the North Forty on a moonlit summer's eve, thousands of fireflies rising out over the vast soybean fields in a luminous ballet. The great horned owl perched in the crabapple tree, hooting his mournful cry to signal the end of a day and the screech of a polecat with his tail caught in the drainage ditch. Granddad would, emit a weary sigh, say, Nathan, I'm a fair man and a just man, and even a tall man. But as long as you live under this roof, you must abide these words. If there's no eggs in the coop by a quarter past 10, you've got yourself a rooster. That ain't no hen. (laughs) 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 All right, and as a quick reminder, uh, don't forget to stick with us till the end of the show where I, Nathan Hen will give you my fast five send off while I will rattle off the definitive list of the top five cars of all time.
1: Vroom, vroom.
0: (laughs) All right, without further ado. Let us get into it with our number fives, and I am going to go with Brian. Your number five, please. Movie with a score of under 20% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: All right, so my approach here, my list is uh, not in order of favorites. I've gone from highest in the 20% bracket to the lowest, so.
2: Brian, I just just wanna say now, if there's an Uber stare down here, you know, we both have the same movie on the list, you're going to have to tell us where it ranks, you know, because you have to defend how good this bad movie is. Oh, I, I, right? I, I, I just I, want to put that out there. So I'm ready to I think go. The,
1: I'm ready to go.
2: Oh, I am. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm competitive about how bad my taste is. Let's go. All
1: right. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Continue. Same here. So uh, and I, I, I mentioned to you guys uh, off mic before that uh, I found a lot of movies that were under 20 percent that I quite enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I believe 28 films rounded out my list that I did knock down to five here. So my number five coming in at 19 percent with critics, 53 percent with the audience is The Identity Thief from 2013 starring Jason Bateman and Melissa McCarthy. So this movie is directed by Seth Gordon, who's also done uh, Horrible Bosses and also one of the best documentaries of all time, The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters which is about the two guys going towards the, uh, the highest uh, score in Donkey Kong. This is also written by Craig Mazin, who wrote Chernobyl, the HBO uh, miniseries, and wow. has, has a respectable box office of $134.4 million. Uh, I believe that's coming off. This is uh, Melissa McCarthy's first leading role following Bridesmaids, so I got a feeling that was a big lead for that.
2: Well, also, I mean, grown ups 2 made I think eight point seven billion dollars worldwide. So yes. you know, uh, it doesn't always uh, connect.
1: But. No, no, no. The bar is low. Just, you'll see some some of these other staggering numbers. We'll we'll talk about later. It's, it's pretty yeah. interesting. So uh, the reason I put this on the list it's got two of my favorite performers. I love Jason Bateman. I love Melissa McCarthy separately, and when they came together, I I, I like that. So especially seeing anytime Jason Bateman's the straight man in anything, I'm there. Um, I also like this movie because although it's billed strictly as a comedy, there actually sort of is a heartwarming take towards the end. Although McCarthy is the annoying, just kind of blatantly law breaking person, there actually kind of is a lesson in the end there. And they're both actually just great actors. So there's actually a little bit of emotion towards the end.
2: What's the lesson that this bad movie teaches you?
1: that if you steal stuff you go to jail which is actually not usually doesn't oh. happen in these kinds of comedies so okay. and it's basically because she's just a, she's actually has a sad backstory but other than that so again the annoying shitty character learns a lesson and then uh but this wouldn't be a 20 percent or less rotten tomato movie if there weren't some uh, pretty hilarious reviews so one of my favorite reviews i found was from wesley morris at the now defunct grantland uh the laughs don't stem from wit or setups, but from phony rage and cheap slapstick, and that's exactly why I like the movie.
0: <laughs> I have to say, I'm, I'm I do not remember this movie existing, and it's got two pretty big stars in it. And I'm reading the I'm reading a, this synopsis, yeah, and very, I'm, I'm about to fall asleep just reading this. How did this?
1: It's a very, very (laughs) simple plot. It's she obviously steals his identity. He goes after her because the main plot point is the cops aren't going to do anything because he lives in Denver. His identity was stolen in Florida. The cops won't do anything because it's out of their jurisdiction, so he has to go to Florida and solve it himself. <laughs> mm. <laughs> because you know that's, that's the way. Yeah, that, <laughs> vigilantism yeah. is 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 great in this day and age. It's, well,
2: and, and also we learned from the Ted Bundy doc, uh, cops don't call each other or email across state lines. So um, there it is.
1: Yep. Um, so in in doing my research here. I found probably what is the greatest website of all time for this. It is called commonsensemedia.org. And every single movie on their lists has what parents need to know for every single movie. It's kind of like the Rotten Tomatoes for this. So what parents need to know about The Identity Thief? Expect lots of innuendos and plenty of swearing, including fuck and shit. Plus some racist jokes, drinking, wine and hard liquor. And product <gasps> plate and product placement. <laughs> oh, no. Parents need to know about this product placement. That was their last warning on their list.
2: Well, if, if a young child sees a, a, a devilish, sinful Hollywood star enjoying, you know, Ruffles um, sour cream and cheddar baked, they might go down the wrong path. You You're know, right. and and you want right. to avoid that. Yep. Now, okay. I'm, I'm from my. I remember I saw this movie. I think in a theater, but it was during a double or triple feature. Um, thank you AMC for having lax uh, ticket checking policies. And um, I remember I kind of forgot about it like a couple days later, but I remember thinking they needed more of this script. I mean, you know, I feel like big. Um, Hollywood comedies nowadays it's always you gotta have a little action it's always a road movie right (laughs) that's like that's the only thing they want to make for whatever reason but it felt like they just said let's just put these two in a car and like they have to fill in the rest Right? To
1: be honest, the, the moments of them in the car are the worst parts of the movie. It's anytime they're out of the car that that movie actually gets kind of interesting. And one of its okay. biggest criticisms is that they lean too heavily on the fat jokes. That's pretty much all they do. Same criticism they gave like King of Queens for a long time. And same thing for Mike and Molly for a long time.
2: Which, but, which also, uh, King of Queens is on tonight at 930 on uh, WCIU, <laughs> uh, your, your local affiliate. Just I did to, I did uh, see that uh, to...
0: advertised on the side of a bus as I was uh, getting my mail this morning. So yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: you lucky bastard. Even, even I love it reminded those. me
0: i still would have got there but Great. this uh this movie sounds to me like um it it sounds like somebody was going like they'd already signed on these two uh the two actors and then somebody had like just lost the script and so they had to just scribble some ideas down on a cocktail napkin <laughs> into the bar really quickly and they walked in they're like yep it's here we go and then they were just trapped into making this movie <laughs> nobody actually wanted to it was just a big series of lies that got out of hand and uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not, con, I'm not convinced. This is one I want to, I want to spend my time on. Uh, well, if you
1: enjoy Jason Bateman as a straight man and you enjoy Melissa McCarthy performing physical comedy, a lot of fall downs, a lot of good stuff like that. If you're a, if a fail video fan, you will enjoy this movie, uh,
0: which I, is not a I not do a love singing. seeing people I admire get physically injured. It is.
1: Yes. So
2: also, that, also, Brian, thank you for finally being truthful and outing yourself as a fail army soldier. So, uh. <laughs> of
1: course I have subscribed. What, what, what I look like. <laughs> I'll throw All out a right. shameless plug, too, for uh, kids getting hurt on Instagram. If you don't follow that, <laughs> please follow that. <laughs> oh,
2: I thought I you are just saying like a general plug for like, no, oh, uh, the kids get hurt. That's the best. <laughs> it's like, what kind of filth are you made out of? But no, okay, it's an Instagram account where you watch I, I, children get hurt. That's, I rest no, my that's case. Totally I rest different. my case. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, on that on that heartwarming note, uh, Mitch, why don't, you, why don't you talk us through your number five. Sure. Yeah.
2: So my number five is called um, The Layover, and it's a recent comedy. Um, it was it's starring Kate Upton, who, of course, uh, um, uh, supermodel fame and Alexander Daddario, who uh, rose um, to fame quickly with her turn in True Detective. And she was in, I believe, Baywatch and some other movies. So two beautiful women are, are the leads of this movie. I don't know if Kate Upton's done another movie after this, because this was, you know, uh, it's a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, And then you find out who the director and the writer was. The writer is David Hornsby, a.k.a. Rickety Cricket from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. (laughs) So you're thinking, okay, we've got some solid comedy chops here. And the director is William H. Macy. Again, you're thinking, okay, a veteran of Hollywood productions. He's going to understand how to direct a script, put a project together that did not happen um, whatsoever. And um, basically, think about it like this. You just take the raunchiest, again, a buddy road comedy possible, and they lean so heavily on the idea that that it's hilarious that women, one, get drunk, two, want to have sex, and three, are trying to con people. It starts off, Kate Upton is trying to con um, some people into buying North Korean cosmetics from her that cause a horrible rash. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Right. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. She goes home and she's real sad and, and dejected about it. Dario's a teacher. Um, she's not allowed to teach to her full potential. And they're like, fuck it. Let's just let's just get out of here. Let's go on a road trip. They meet a hot guy at a hotel. They're both trying to go for him. Best friends and roommates cause real, true bodily harm to each other by slipping each other drugs, locking another one in a disgusting bathroom at a gas station, ostensibly to leave her there to die also, (laughs) which is just hilarious. I mean, what best friends don't want to kill each other in the pursuit of a love interest? You know, of like a a one or two night stand perhaps. and it just—it's just—it's just clunky scene after clunky scene. Uh, Cal Penn shows up uh, at one point. The hot guy is some unknown guy to me. I don't—I don't even remember his name, but he had long blonde hair. He honestly, you know, c- kind of looked like you know, Nathan, but with like maybe an extra 30 pounds of muscle, you know, and like some, and some tanning juice over his body. But-
0: so, so nothing like me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, I was, you know, hey, I was trying to, yeah. yeah. Um, who knows?
0: And in, in, in all, I look exactly like him, except for all of the ways in which he's good looking. I'll say that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Mitch doesn't like this movie because he's not attracted to the hot man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, like there's no life in his eyes and you can tell, he, you can tell he He's up to something the whole time. M- Mitch um,
1: needs his hunks to have light in their eyes. <laughs> that, yeah. Always.
2: Yeah. Well, which also, if you want someone, this is going to come up later. If there's no magnetism in your eyes, then. Actually, th- that's going to come up on a different episode. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But, uh, but, but magnetism in your eyes is a very important thing for you know for a, a lead in a movie that people want to lust after. You
0: know. So, so, so why why am I why would I want to? What like it's? A, I like that you're swinging for the fences here, going with a zero sure. percenter right out of the gate. Sure. But, but what redeeming quality would be there? Because there's got to be one, or else you wouldn't have picked it.
2: Yeah. Okay. So this you you first have to be a person who's able to sit through a bad movie and like enjoy how bad it can be you know which i know brian may be more conducive to that than you nathan but you know i'm 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 putting it out there but i'm referring to this this is like a shock and awe one and done you watch it once you're like holy gosh i can't believe i got that close to that a pile of food that was on fire <laughs> and I allowed myself to smell it for that long. I got a little high, you know, like, Oh, that was, I've never done something like that. that was dangerous. So it's that bad. Um, and it just, you know, it doesn't feel like each scene felt like a sketch, you know, like sketches sort of like loosely tied together by bad transitions. Um, and, uh, and in the end they grow up and they, 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 they you know, they're like, Oh, we gotta move out. Like we, we need our own spaces. We, we've gotta mature here. And uh, turns out, one moves out, but then she just moves one apartment over down the hall. So Aww. like they're still, yeah, they're still best friends. Uh, it's so great. Uh, but the uh, my favorite part though is at the end when they they the hot guy they're both lusting after turns out he's engaged, and he's trying to get to his own wedding. And so they get to his wedding and they find him acting around his actual fiancee who's a real you know type a ball buster and guess what he's whipped so he's screwed for the rest of his life <laughs> wow. anyway and what then they're just like s- whoop, yeah clean our hands of that guy and then it's and oh then they go on with their, w- with, with their lives that so. is
0: that's like i bet wait watching that you felt like uh i did when i saw the sixth sense for the first time just that <laughs> the rug was just ripped out from under me you know that's what a, exactly,
2: exactly. <laughs> what a twist exactly um, also if you watch breaking bad badger from there makes is in it too as a he's a rare gems dealer um so yeah
1: <laughs> which is actually adam sandler's uh basis for uncut gems which people didn't know that this was actually the foundation for that
2: exactly amazing, yeah this is right? the prequel to that so <laughs> yeah. um but uh yeah just a lot of like insane jobs and uh and, and also, part of the movie takes part in St. Louis, which I think they just got money from like visitst.louis.com because they showed like the arch and like other stuff. And they talked about specific St. Louis destinations to go and visit. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like, it's just a bunch of weird, just a bunch of weird stuff like that. So um, it's on Hulu. Check it out. That's my number five, the layover.
0: Okay. Uh, uh, all right. Well, for, for this round, um, I just, I, I'm not sold that uh, I should be watching this. Uh, it was so forgettable, I already forgot. <laughs> I forgot which movie we were talking about. The um,
1: Identity Thief
0: Identity thief. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't, I just, I'm not one over that I should be. Uh, be spending my time with that. Uh, and on the flip side, Mitch uh, made a very compelling case with the sort of the enjoying the dumpster fire aspect of something. And uh, layover is clocking in at a healthy 88 minutes. So I would know, you know, I know what I'm getting into. I know it has a shelf life of 88 minutes, and I can get in and out take a shower, feel better about myself. So uh, Mitch, I'm gonna go ahead and give you two points and Brian, I'm gonna give you one point for this round.
1: Hey-o! I
0: deserve it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just by the way, you said identity thief when when Nathan was searching for the title, said it all.
0: Yeah. Identity thief.
1: I'm glad this is on the record forever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, we'll move up to number four and uh, Mitch, why don't you take it away?
2: Sure, absolutely, I'd be happy to. So this one um, uh, is called That Awkward Moment. And this one is um, technically, the Ron score is 22%. Yeah,
0: talk about an awkward moment. You're, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be deducting you a point straight off the bat here. The, the three point is uh, no longer on the table, my friend.
2: What? Oh, God, come on, what the <laughs> fuck? Okay, well, all right, yeah, this is a little awkward, but I guess I'll, I'll soldier ahead here. Um, <laughs> i think maybe this one hit me at i don't remember exactly when it came out but i think it was maybe 2015 2016. um and uh it 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 came on hbo go i watched it twice like in the first four days of of watching it for the first time and then i watched it again like a week later and i don't know like what exactly the formula was i think um i mean it's zach efron and and imogen poots they're they're a pair they're very cute And uh, she inspires him. She's artistic, you know, and he's he's an artistic job, but he feels like his 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 artist is dying inside, you know, Um, and they go to they go to I think it's Gramercy Park in in New York. It's whatever like the there's like a private park somewhere that she somehow gets a key to and they go on dates and it's their it's their little happy place, whatever. Um, And it's cute. I will say it's cute. It got me. And then Miles Teller is a is a. Is a silly, wild, bad boy who doesn't want to be tamed. Mackenzie Davis, who comes from a lot of money, like a, 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 a hoity-toity Upper East Side Manhattan family, she tames him, and he learns how to, you know, connect to her family and to like um, say no to his to his tequila monster inside. So, um, and then Michael B. Jordan is, you know, like the 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 friend on the side who also has a. Um, he's very successful um and he's just you know he adds like a, an element of cool to the movie i guess cuz he's michael b jordan um he's got that magnetism see magnetism that's important um, and i just this one is like for me, it's like a rom-com that I really enjoy. For whatever like in in another part of my brain, you know, uh, when I was eighteen, I thought I'm gonna live in New York as a twenty-five year old, and I'm gonna write copy, you know, for you know for like uh, an ad agency. I'm gonna have a cool loft in the Greenwich Village, you know. Me, and my friends are gonna like, you know, drink wine on the roof. And maybe it's like an amalgamation of like How I Met Your Mother and all these movies coming together. But for whatever reason. Just got my goat when it came out and it's it's fun. And the, and the people are like, there's some talent in there. Um, but the I, plot is awful. It's I, like you just see it from a mile away.
0: I have very fond memories of 18 year old Mitch, and I can attest to everybody <laughs> that if you ask 18 year old Mitch what one of his just wildest <laughs> fantasies is writing copy would certainly be at the top of the list. <laughs> All
1: right. I have a follow up question. Is this the movie that has either the morning or post coital urination scene
2: yes where he lays down on the on the toilet naked um and he's and because he's got a morning bone or sink and it can't go down so he just he just planks on the toilet he planks on the toilet correct
1: yeah which i think is just the shameless excuse for us to see almost naked zach efron
2: well, yeah, because 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 he keeps it tight, he keeps it right. And he's basically a gymnast. So,
1: yeah, I pulled up the movie poster while you were talking and it has the most hilarious tagline, which is when you realize getting some means wanting more. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's and that's absolutely, you know, um, he he can't he can't settle down. You know, he's a, he's addicted to the fun to the fun lifestyle. Yeah. And, you know, so um, and Miles Teller, this is kind of, you know, Miles Teller's attempt I think at you know trying to like uh, he's like playing it cool you know he's trying to do that fun comedy thing so yeah um it's not overly funny and but uh but for whatever reason that got me like in the do, do, do you have you have it up what year did it come out
1: Oh sorry I closed it it's 2014 uh, it's, 2014 yeah, it's, Oh
2: 2014 okay yeah okay so this makes total sense then because i was i was probably freshly single i was probably single spending way too much time by myself at my apartment you know wanting wanting to get back out there that's exactly why so that hit me at right the right the exact yeah. moment so well,
0: i i think that was uh that was a pretty compelling case i mean i would i would love to see uh this toilet planking scene that's uh mm-hmm. I, I think you know that would at least be worth the price of admission um, I'm not sure physically how it would work, but I'm going to be looking it up later. Um, and um, trying, maybe trying it. May, maybe it's something I've already done and I've just forgotten. Um, yeah, it,
2: and it, it, it only works in like a New York movie uh, uh, apartment bathroom, where it's like way larger than any bathroom you've ever been in in New York. Where like, right. like I write copy, but I got this 2,500 square foot apartment in Greenwich Village, and you're like, "How the fuck are you doing?" You know, so,
0: but oh man. Uh, OK, well, Brian, uh, let's uh, let's hear about your number four before I dole out the scores here. What's your number? Sounds four, Brian? good.
1: My number four is a 2001 classic with 18 percent by critics on Rotten Tomatoes and 51 percent from the audience. That is Saving Silverman. Um, this uh, classic is uh, directed by Wheaton, Illinois native Dennis Dugan, known for uh, his uh, Adam being Adam Sandler's guy and having directed such great classics as Happy Gilmore and Big Daddy, but also some recent certified rotten favorites as Grown Ups 1 and 2, and I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry.
2: <laughs> so, oh, so you, uh, you keep using that word classic, and i just, I don't <laughs> know
1: if I'm agreeing. <laughs> you should. You should agree. Okay, okay. We'll call them mid-90s classics, mid-90s <laughs> comedy classic. Um, classics, I just got a little lisp there. <laughs> Sorry, boys. Uh, this is starring Steve Zahn, Amanda Peet, Jason Biggs, and Jack Black. Um, the reason why I have this on the list is I think I still quote this movie either at least daily or every time I hear a Neil, a Neil Diamond song. Because um, the plot of this film is the probably the most ridiculous plot of any movie I have on my list three friends in a neil diamond cover band kidnap and fake the death of the fiance of one of the band members when they decide she's not right for him and try to set him up with a woman from his past who's training to become a nun
0: That is (laughs) it just it just takes wrong turn after wrong turn in that sentence
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) it does but it's also uh somehow we watched this as a family. I don't know how we watched this. This was probably so 2001. So I was 11. I don't know how the hell we all watched it together, but to this day, my sister or my dad still quote, if the nachos get stuck together, that's one nacho, (laughs) which is Jack Black's main motto from the movie. Um, but also going back Why'd to... Why I
2: argue that that's just sage wisdom that's been around since the start of Nachos? Uh,
1: but Jack Black gets the credit. <laughs> that's true. Gets, That's a good point. He okay, gets the fine, credit. Fine, fine. But it also has a hilarious take uh, going back to common sense media. <laughs> what parents need to know about Saving Silverman. Parents need to know that this is a PG-13 movie that could easily have qualified for an R. And in fact, an R-rated version was also released on DVD. And they should be very cautious about evaluating its appropriateness for teenagers. The movie has, a very, has very strong language and jokes about oral sex, masturbation, and homosexuality. A butt cheek implant operation is shown in brief but gross detail. <laughs> Drinking too much beer is portrayed as humorous bonding experience. The movie includes comic kidnapping and comic fatalities. A woman uses sex to control a man. A dumb comedy, but older teens may laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. I was like, that that's a that's a perfect review. I love it.
0: That actually, yeah, I actually happen to agree with most of it. Like, I remember watching this when I was a sophomore in high school, and everybody was like, "Oh, this movie's really funny," and I was the only person who hadn't seen it. And they put it on, and I remember thinking, "What the hell is wrong with everybody? Like, it's it's, it's really disturbing." Like,
1: there's a lot of movies on this list that I think are only maybe Mitch, you can speak to this too, are only there because they hit at the right time in your life. No, there you, go. Yes, you yeah. watch them at a certain age, and they get stuck in your mind, and that's pretty much why they become funny to you and not to others.
0: I mean, it's it's just kind of an amazing movie to watch. Of like, how, what like what were they thinking? How did they actually get made this made? Like nobody at any point was like uh, faking. Uh, your friend's girlfriend's death is not uh, where you need to be mining laughter. Like that never. Nobody ever put the brakes on. It's just amazing. It went through and actually got the screen. Um,
1: and a fun fact is this is identity thief and this both star Amanda Pete. So that's the only one on my list where the actor appears in both.
0: Oh, uh, she is okay. the,
1: obviously the fiance and saving silverman, but she's also Jason Bateman's wife in the, uh, in the identity thief. So I was trying to figure out if I had any other overlap and that was the only one.
2: Now I'm, I'm curious when he thinks he's lost his, cause I, I, I think I've seen parts of this on cable. I haven't seen the whole thing when he thinks he's lost his fiance. Is there like at least a montage of him grieving or is he just like? Oh, he
1: goes into full mourning and builds a shrine.
2: Oh, he does. Okay, good. And and I believe it's
0: very dark. It's
1: very dark. And I do believe that Steve Zahn's ploy, his entire speech to get him out of the shrine room to go on a date with this woman, is he repeats the word come on about 50 times. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I set up a date. I set up different. No, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, in that Steve Zahn way. Yeah, and I laugh every time. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen, but it works for me. I, th- I think the only person to
2: be able to pull that off better would be uh, Christopher Walken if he just said that fifty oh. times. In a row.
0: <laughs> come, on, come on, certain
1: performers you can just give a word and just repeat it, and it'll it'll tickle my funny bone.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. So, Brian, I think I think this is one of the classic bad movies. Um, it's just so bizarre and strange and dark, but when then when you've got Steve Zahn and Jack Black are pretty much watchable in anything, uh, and then Mitch, I, I was pretty compelled with, uh, with your pick of, uh, that awkward moment, but you, uh, you veered outside of your lane a little bit. There was a, it's a 22% or I so I got to penalize you. So, uh, Brian, that's uh, three points for you. Two points for Mitch.
2: Hey, I will take that, you know, with the, with, with, with the deduction. So, um, all right. Well, uh,
0: just, I hope you've learned your lesson. <laughs> Sorry, master. <laughs> uh, Brian, let's check in with your number three, please.
1: Uh, my number three comes in at 11% from the critics, 69% from the audience for a disparity. This is 1998's A Night at the Roxbury. Um, so this is, uh, obviously the Chris Kattan, uh, Will Ferrell SNL vehicle, um, I've been having fun going through the IMDb pages on this. This was directed by John Fortenberry who I know is not a household name, but after this movie, he went on to a hell of a TV directing career, several episodes of everybody loves Raymond rescue me arrested development. And it's always sunny in Philadelphia, including some of the more risque episodes, I believe from season one, which is Charlie gets molested and Charlie wants an abortion. So talk about a swift detour there. (laughs) Um, But, uh, I think it's also one of our favorite, uh, my favorite Arrested Development episodes for British eyes only. So <laughs> that's a, that's good a one. great one. That is a classic is a great yeah. one. Uh, movie did not do well at the box office. Um, but the reason why I have this on my list, I think it's one of the more memorable of the SNL films of that era, uh, even though it's not necessarily probably the best one. It's definitely not Wayne's world caliber, obviously from uh, the nineties there, but it, this is definitely memorable as one of the uh, more popular characters. And it's also a movie that I quote regularly. I think every time I've come across Emilio Estevez, I always say the mighty duck man. I swear to God. (laughs) (laughs) It is just part of my lexicon now. Um, Are are there any other
2: quotes from the film or is that the only one?
1: uh, That's one of my more favorite ones. Or anytime they talk about Richard Grieco, that's pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Uh, One of the best reviews I found was uh, from uh, Lisa Schwarzbaum at Entertainment Weekly. On the Hamburger Helper continuum of high-fat content feature-length comedies extended from Saturday Night Live sketches, A Night at the Roxbury hovers around The Stewart Saves His Family Mark, not as grisly as It's Pat, but not as lean as Wayne's World either. (laughs) 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 Which I thought was pretty great. Um, But even more so, circling back to common sense media, what parents need to know about A Night at the Roxbury is that as with most broad comedies, there are close-ups of cleavage and sex jokes in several scenes. It's not the base potty delicious. Humor. Sorry, it's not the, <laughs> it's not the base potty <laughs> humor of similar comedies, but it's dumbed-down comedy that's a better fit for teens than tweens. Not worth seeing unless you're a huge Will Ferrell fan.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I, hmm. I have a I have a favorite review of this one. Um, basically, a longer version of its poster.
1: Yes, hundred <laughs> percent.
0: So I'm. Where where does it where does it fall in the um, in the pantheon of of SNL sketches that got turned into movies? It definitely isn't the the bottom. Like there's certainly have been worse ones. No, for I, sure. mean,
1: I mean Stewart saves his family and it's Pat. Or I think it's Pat may have a zero percent. I'm not sure.
0: It's Pat was bad. I mean, I was not a Coneheads fan. Me neither. Um, yeah. I think I think this is at least the characters here are. I mean, everybody knows the dance, you know. There's yeah, the, uh, and that's I just mean ex- more from the, the skit, but yeah,
1: it's 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 pretty much just a morphing of that. But it was more of a let's give Chris Katana a movie vehicle, I think, and then let's see, try and get Will Ferrell on the screen because this is like the turn. Let's see, 1998, he left SNL in 2001, I believe. So this is probably peak Will Ferrell. Um, popularity and probably just before uh, we start getting our anchormans and stuff like that so this was probably a, our first vehicle to get them on the silver screen
2: now this movie is it like it, it, do they get wrapped up like in a drug conspiracy somehow or like uh, you know what's the what's no the, the,
1: entire, the entire plot of the movie is they need to get into a club that they they can't get into because, okay. Michael, <laughs> okay. because yeah. the, late, the late Michael <laughs> Clark Duncan is the, is the bouncer who won't let them in either because they don't have uh, attractive ladies on their arm sure. or they're not cool enough. Sure. But they get rear ended by 21 Jump Street star Richard Grico one night, who is a frequenter of the Roxbury, who allows them to go in for the night where they cross paths with the club's owner and insanity ensues. But then the entire plot becomes: we, we have an idea for a club that we want to make ourselves, so we can get in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it's like, uh, so, so, so it's like entrepreneurship movie is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, it's a <laughs> rags to riches <laughs> entrepreneurship, uh, pick yourself up by your bootstraps type movie. Now, when you-
0: how how early in the film does uh, does he let them into the club?
1: Uh, I would say this is probably the beginning of the second act, so that is the main the point. Well of-
0: that's well. There, there's the problem is I if you're pitching it to me, these characters of uh, they just spend the entire movie trying to get into the club, yeah, and like that's the the end goal. I actually think that's a pretty workable premise. I, I, but once once you give them what they want that early, then where are you going to go? Very yeah. true.
1: Well, it's also it's like we got to give them love interests now, and it's they just basically portray these two women as soul sucking gold diggers. We're like, oh, they're rich. They're talking to the guy who owns the club. He, he must, they must have money. And the second they find out they don't have money, they dump them. And that happens midway through the second act. And you're just like, well, come on. <laughs> Can we do a little bit better than this, please? Oh, my. I, I have to
2: say, male writers from like 90, well, just forever until like 2005, were very creative with their female characters, I have to say. Yes. So, um, <laughs> Well, now, okay, when this came out, why did you like... Like, what was it about? Was it you just love the dance? Like, it just reminded you I don't think, of, uh, of good memories of, of enjoying SNL? Like, why is this? So, like, and have you watched it recently? Does it hold
1: up? Well, I, I own it on iTunes. So I watched it last week. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe I paid a, at least $12 for it. So I've definitely Holy shit. overpaid. I'm sorry to swear, but that sounds like a lot. Yeah, it's I definitely overpaid. Um, I don't think I saw it in 19. I, would only, I was only eight years old, so I don't think I would have seen this until it came out on TV or video. So I probably wouldn't have seen this for two or three years past. So then I would have been an early teenager and been like, oh, Will Ferrell is like this guy now. I like all these movies. Let's watch this thing. Like, oh, it's so funny. I'm 13. This is hilarious.
2: Okay. And I think okay. that's
1: why if, if I saw it when I was eight, I don't think I would have this same reaction. But because I saw it as an early teen I'm like, oh, yeah. this is so original and funny.
2: <laughs> okay, and so so last week's viewing, do you still, are you still holding that
1: I th- idea? I, I think I I laugh, uh, because of nostalgia. I think that's what it is. Okay, nostalgia. Is there I,
2: I, is there a laugh track in the movie?
1: No, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it probably would help, <laughs> scenes, yes. but there's like, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's nothing more crucial, there, or was it, um, than watching the. Uh, If you've ever watched um, Big Bang Theory clips where they've stricken out the laugh track.
0: Oh, yeah. Any
1: any sitcom. It's just it's just horrifying to watch. And it's just
0: that's that's what a lot of the SNL skits that became movies felt like. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, and and, and then you think if there's that much time where they are just standing there waiting for the laugh, that must be easy for the writers. That's like a third less writing you have to do. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's true. I mean there is a lot of time you have to factor in there for the laughs.
0: Yeah. Man. Yeah, and okay. and when you're uh instructing the audience to laugh or <laughs> pre-record it, you don't have to go to the trouble of being funny, which the Big Bang Theory also proved.
1: Oh, that's uh. right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> And also from just a like a I don't know, just from a logistical standpoint, I mean if you gotta write twenty-four to twenty-six of these things at a season. <laughs> It's probably good yeah. to leave in uh, some time for laughs so you can <laughs> catch up and save your jokes for the next episode.
0: Yeah. Uh Mitch. Yeah. You're you're up sir. You're number 3. Please. Oh,
2: my number 3, of course. Yes. Okay. So this one um actually comes from another SNL alum. This is not an SNL movie though. I want to say that off the top. Uh it's Dirty Work. Who who you guys ever seen Dirty Work starring Norm Macdonald?
1: <laughs> oh my god.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I've always been aware of this movie. Sure. and I've heard tons of people talk about it and quote it. and I think I've probably been in the room when it's on, but I don't remember ever sitting down and watching it the whole way through.
2: Okay, well yeah, and this one is this is another short one. I think it's like an hour, you know, 20 something. Uh, but sometimes it can feel like because normally I'll put it on when it's after midnight, you know, um it you know, it's been having a nice night, you know, feeling a little, feeling a little toasty, like, ooh, let's watch a little dirty work and I'll throw it on, and then it feels like it's two hours because like time moves slower when you're when it's that time of night and you're drunk. But uh this one's got 17% rotten tomato score. Um and it is full. You gotta you have to love Norm McDonald. If you don't like Norm McDonald, you will Absolutely hate this movie. So if you cannot appreciate his his dry humor, um, then this won't work uh, probably on any level because uh, it's just it's how he says his words. It's it's hookers, it's midgets, it's dead hookers, you know, and just very very dry. <laughs> um, Chevy Chase makes an appearance as uh, the addicted to gambling doctor with a violent bookie, and he's got extra hospital beds to sell. A uh, very fun character. They just kind of like check in with him, um, and he's taking care of uh, his dad. Uh, or his friend's dad, I should say, Artie Lang's father, played by Jack Warden, classic. Um, And Jack Warden is just a horny old man that always asks why they didn't bring him whores when they come to see him. Jeez. Um, (laughs) It's a a crude movie. It's quite crude, I have to say that. Uh, Chris Farley also is in it, and uh, he, I know this, like, all this sounds horrible. And the last time I watched it, which was probably five years ago, it was at night. I turned it off. So, like, I don't think it holds up. But in the, my past, I thought this this horrible, filthy humor was so great. And Chris Farley especially has a prosthetic. So, it looks like the end of his nose is gone. And he hates being asked about it. So, whenever they're in the bar, he's, like, this sweaty, drunk at the bar by himself. And they're like, hey, uh, Jimmy. Jimmy. What happened to the end of your nose? And he just, he boils over and freaks out. And you find out it was bit off by a Saigon whore. Again, whore <laughs> and hot. hookers are their favorite words in this movie. Um, and um, uh, and also, there's an idea in this movie, too. Norm MacDonald has a love interest. and At one point, she refers to him as sexy which is just so off-putting to me um and, and like it's it's like really you have to suspend disbelief uh norm Macdonald did write it so i'm assuming he had control over a lot of things so he could you know tell an actress like say that i'm sexy in this scene um and she had to uh um follow orders but uh oh, it, the, and, and the other the, I'll, I'll do one more there's a great bit that he does which is very fun and actually it's a good way to meet people if you're if you've got look if you got a little um confidence at a party you just yell out any name. So I'd be like, hey, Eric, Eric. And then Brian would be like, what? I'm not. I'm Brian. And then he'd be like, oh, you yeah, know, I, I didn't know your name. I was just guessing. And then they're like, <laughs> oh, and then and then you say hello. That's how he meets this his his love interest in the movie. He sees her, thinks she's cute and just yells out a name and then meets her. So Classic. Um, uh, I think,
0: yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good practical piece of advice that could potentially only thirty percent of the time be a complete disaster. The, yeah. the other seventy percent it could be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. And 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 like you, you can kind of play with like, do you give a name that makes them seem cooler or do you give a name that like, like what do I really look like in earnest? Like fuck you, and you know. You're like, I don't know, I was just guessing, you know. But hey, Archibald Archibald. Archibald. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and if i heard that i'd be i'd be spinning around thinking is there an archibald around here what does an archibald look like as well so um and so yeah so maybe this maybe this movie doesn't hold up um it it's i i I'm, I'm wanting to put it in the same category as grandma's boy which brian and i recently rewatched together and that definitely didn't didn't hold up at all no um but I just, I I have a deeper uh, love for Norm Macdonald because my dad really likes Norm Macdonald. And so it's like a, it's a passed down generational thing. Um, So I left it on the list, but, um, and uh, yeah, so there's, there's Dirty Work. Um, It's short. uh, If, you know, you can probably fast forward to the gags and that would work too. So um, that's, that's my, that's my number three. Uh, All
0: right. All right. Uh, Well, that was, yeah. I mean, Norm Macdonald, Artie Lang, Don Rickles makes an appearance. Um, It's a. A lot of heavy hitters. Yeah. And, um, I I remember hearing about it so much and everybody watched it. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt on this one that maybe it does have some entertainment value more so than the, uh, the rating here. Obviously, you have to take all these 90s raunch comedies with a grain of salt nowadays. Yeah. Uh, And then, Brian, um, I am just touched beyond words that you committed so much to buying this movie on <laughs> iTunes and admitting that to us here today, I think took a lot of strength. So I, I'm giving uh, two points to each of you for this round. Oh, and thank I'm you very much. i kind of you. And uh, so that means we are on to number two. Mitch, please yeah. reveal your number two.
2: My number two is... Um... I, I still actually I recently watched this one. I caught it on cable and one of those movies, whenever it's on cable and I turn to it, I can't turn it off and I have to like get up and go, Okay, Mitch, you are done watching. Walk away. <laughs> and that is Bad Boys 2. <laughs> oh what? Oh uh, and then the, and then in comes uh, Murphy Lee's Shake Your Tail Feather, which was I think made for this movie. It like was on the exclusive soundtrack. Um, very hot track. Um it's it's great. Um I'm I'm just I'm gonna, I'm going to read down I'm going to read out my um my, my list uh, of just thoughts
0: on the movie. What is this? B- before before you before you do that. What? I have to express. Huh? What? My complete What is it? My complete contempt I'm feeling for you right now. What? For your your lack of regard for huh? the rules and structure what? Uh, what? and uh you know just a spirit of fair play. This is a 23% Rotten Tomatoes score. You have once again I let you back into my good books and you have once again crossed the line. You tested my patience. You got your work cut out for you here, sir. It, if you're if you even want one point here, God. you better you better wow me. Start now. Oh my okay, all right, all right, all right. Will,
2: Martin, Gabrielle, Joey Pants, again, Murphy Lee's shaky tail feather, highway explosions, throwing cars, white suits. Rats copulating, just like us. An ecstasy trip. (laughs) Hot corpses. Mike Lowry affording a Ferrari on a cop salary. Mike Lowry affording custom suits on a cop salary. Marcus Burnett affording Oceanside real estate on a cop salary. A yellow Hummer drives through an entire slum in um, is it Costa Rica or the D- Dominican Republic or Cuba? I can't remember. And it's two hours and 27 <laughs> minutes. This is the length of, a, of like a heritage Oscar war film, but it's goddamn bad boys, too. And who does it? But Michael Bay. He puts himself in the movie, and he puts a Dan Marino, Miami Dolphins legend, Hall of Famer, has a cameo as well. Um, so there it is. There's my Bad Boys 2 um, rundown. And again, I watched this movie at least nine times during uh, junior year of college with my buddy Michael. We split a pizza and Budweiser over this film. This is I've I bought it three times on DVD. This is I'm. I don't care if it's twenty three percent. This one deserves a place because people don't respect it enough. Thank you very much. I've dropped my mic.
0: I have two questions. Bring them. First one. Did you say hot corpses?
2: Yes. There's a scene where they're hiding on top of corpses in a morgue, and one of the corpse is a is a woman with very bountiful breasts, and Martin Lawrence, his he does the like wide eye ogling thing, oh and God. then Will Smith is like. Marcus, come on. What? Marcus? Stop it. And so yeah, there's it's like a weird it's a weird joke. It's so a weird a little, joke.
0: A little necrophilia thrown in.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Along with everything else. Well, that's why you have to have two hours and twenty-seven minutes. <laughs> you gotta squeeze in the necrophilia. You gotta have room for all of this stuff. Exactly.
2: Also, I and, forgot I forgot to mention the bad guys, they got great actors for the bad guys. Peter Stormare plays a scary ecstasy dealer who also owns a club. And then um Carlos Moya, I believe his name is. If, if that's uh, he plays uh, Johnny Tapia, the bad guy, he's got these steely blue eyes and he's just like always like a little sweaty and he's got long stringy hair. He's great. Talks in a he's like, you know, talks like that, you know, those those great bad guys. So
0: also uh, Chicago's very own Michael Shannon.
2: Yes, he. Oh, that's Oh, can See, there are so many parts of this movie that you forget about. They're in Miami. They're in the swamps. They're down in Cuba. They're all over the place. And he yells, I've got my rights before someone stuffs him in a trunk. He's playing a, a white supremacist. So
0: <laughs> I, I also I'm also seeing uh, NBA champion John Sally makes an appearance. Is that right? oh
2: yes when oh gosh uh i think he's but no, oh, he i think he's a cop um he, he's he's one of the good cops that like walks by and makes fun of them i think in the precinct is what is what that that is so
0: so is this the best dan marino film or is it h Ventura pet detective
2: oh my god this is a way better dan marino <laughs> film yeah um and it's a great scene because uh, uh dan Marino's just taking it for a test drive and and will smith commandeers the car And he's like, oh, no, Dan, you should buy this car. Not this one, because I'm going to fuck this one up. But definitely buy this Cadillac.
0: (laughs) So. All right. All right. Uh, Well, you've made a compelling case. I'm going to see what Brian has to say here. Brian, let's hear your number two. All
1: right. My number two uh, is 1997's Vegas Vacation. National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation at 13% here. What? Uh, I had no. Oh, my gosh. I'm shocked by that. I'm very surprised that we don't have an Uber stare down here because, uh, yeah, 13 percent for Vegas vacation, 51 percent from the audience. So I'm going to take a little detour here because I found something very, very interesting. So this is directed by a man named Steven Kessler, who only has one other feature narrative credit to his name on IMDb, which is The Independent which is starring Jerry Stiller and Janine Garofalo, which we have to see after I've watched this trailer. This movie has a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, and Jerry Stiller plays a B-movie director looking to make a comeback, but the trailer starts with this classic Jerry Stiller bit. (laughs)
0: I said I wanted a stampede of buffalo. This does not look like a stampede, Ivan. Oh, well, run.
1: Look, here
0: come the two buffalo.
1: These are the only two buffalo within 100 miles of here, Mike. I don't want to hear from 100 miles, Ivan. If you have to airlift them in, I want those <laughs> buffalo. I want the buffalo. <laughs> on he just keeps ranting about the buffalo he needs in this wide shot of this Western that they're shooting. But. Whatever that is that's adding to our list, we have to watch this movie together. (laughs)
2: That sounds incredible. I'm in.
1: I am in. So, back to Vegas vacation. Back to Vegas vacation. So, the reason I have this on the list is I grew up in a very pro-Griswold household. uh, That uh, Christmas vacation became a more meaningful tradition than the manger every Christmas. Um, Here, 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 here. Thanksgiving to Christmas, you got... um, I'm sorry. Thanksgiving to New Year's. You have Christmas vacation on at least once a week. Um, so it's only fitting that this follow up that came out eight years after that uh, would make my cut. Um, this one's nowhere near as good as Christmas Vacation, but I find it equally enjoyable because Vegas is probably the perfect place to drop Clark Griswold because he's a man who can no he can't he can't contain himself. But the main reason I have this on the list is who didn't want to be Nick Papa Giorgio when you watch this movie?
2: He's like that is that that is one of the truest things you've ever said um, and. I I I don't remember that actor's name but he has just the most innocent face too. Yeah. Uh man, he was I I think he was my favorite Rusty out of all the Rusties I agree. Too, I, I agree.
1: Um although I didn't mind Johnny Galecki in uh and, and Christmas vacation. But uh this was definitely the best of age, probably closest to us when we saw the movie. Yeah. Rusty. And um, I mean he's an underage kid in Vegas who gets to gamble, have a completely fake persona, go to parties, get massages, and win mm. a four cars <laughs> on four different <laughs> slot machines.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Plus, I think this Vegas has some of the uh this vacation movie has some of the best cousin Eddie scenes out of all of the National Lampoon vacation movies, especially Mm -hmm. the quote where he's sitting across from Wayne Newton and he says, you got a bodyguard. I'd die for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But no, I think that this movie got overshadowed a little bit at the time because this is, this is not the best comedy that took place in Vegas released in 1997. What's that was Austin Powers. That's true. But they were, you know, they were, they kind of had the same look. I mean, they're made at the same time, yeah. but they're spending it kind of the same casino feel or whatever. And Austin Powers was just more of, I mean, it was just funnier and more popular. I mean, so at I that think time that, you
1: got, you got vacation. I mean, this is the last vacation movie. It's the, yeah. I yeah. mean, starring the original cast, we won't even mention that Ed Helms disaster, but, uh, this one had a hilarious common sense media parents warning on it for Vegas Vacation. <laughs> parents need to know that in its, th- in its quest for humor and laughs, this film portrays everyone in the Griswold family as irresponsible, amoral, dishonest, and foolish. <laughs> <laughs> The Griswold teens either drink, cheat, steal, gamble, or lie throughout. The entire Las Vegas environment is seen as obsessively sensual, tawdry, and alcohol-infused. In fact, many of the leading characters are seen continuously holding or drinking alcoholic beverages. In addition, the film functions as a lengthy commercial for cities, hotels, and hotspots, along with lots of other product placement. Language is relatively mild, with some dams and hells but in addition the film scene is uh teams with sexual innuendo as well as much leering and ogling at scantily clad women (laughs) yeah oh you mean the the film shot in vegas isn't a commercial for hotels and the people (laughs) in the movie are gambling and drinking what
2: (laughs) what is the is the perfect common sense media movie like just called uh, um, Wednesday? And they're like, this movie's great. The father goes to work, uh, earns a day's pay. The mother <laughs> cleans the house, makes lunch, cleans up after breakfast, and prepares dinner. The children come home from school. They do their homework, <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> And they all sit as they do puzzles and read books, and then they go to sleep. And like what's you know what the what's-
1: based on a Jane Austen novel? We give this one hundred and thirty percent. We want
2: fools in films. We don't want to yes. be the fool. We want to watch fools. Correct. You know, we need to
1: live vicariously through the Griswolds.
0: Um, yeah, I, 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 I Oh, Nathan. Sorry, you go. No, I was, I was just going to say. I, I think i don't think vegas vacation is a great movie but i'd say like it's at 13 percent. like that is it's got to be it it's one of the most watchable 13 percenters ever like if it was like come on in the like tnt or in the afternoon or whatever like you can easily just like put it on and fall into it there's yeah this is that's that's a pretty big disparity so i,
2: I mean like just off the top wayne newton making um helen a giant bowl of pasta and then just like watching her eat it like that's a great bit uh Clark going to the to the alternative casino and just trying to guess what the dealer's thinking in his head just losing money
1: after money pick a number war yeah. guess which hand
2: yeah it's like those bits are great and then and then the the, the at the Hoover Dam yep. you know another classic g- scene classic, classic scene. scene yeah i mean i just i don't uh, it yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't get that.
0: But well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I think, I think that's very uh, indicative of just what we were looking for on this list. So, Brian, you're getting three points uh, on that round, and Mitch for your flagrant disregard of the rules we set in place to just, you know, massage your own ego and tell fun stories about this <laughs> awesome, awesome movie that you get to watch all the time with your buddies. One point. Fuck your rules.
2: <laughs> I've got my memories. Thank
0: you. Oh, God. I mean, I admit Bad Boys 2 is a fun movie to watch. Yeah. For Maybe not for the whole two and a half hours, but, <laughs> you know, that's that's why it got over 20 percent. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So uh, that is going to take us into number one. Brian, your number one, please.
1: My number one, I believe, is going to be a, a controversial pick because this is a very much hated film. <laughs> uh, at, coming in at 7% on the tomato meter with uh, 29% from audiences. This is 2004's Surviving Christmas, starring Ben Affleck, James Gandolfini, and Catherine O'Hara. Um, so this is directed by Mike Mitchell, who went on to have pretty much an animated sequel career with Shrek Forever After, Alvin and the Chipmunks Chipwrecked, Trolls, and the Lego Movie 2, the second part. This is a Ben Affleck starring movie that grossed only $11 million at the box office. And the reason why I have this on my list is I, one, I'm a sucker for Catherine O'Hara. I also love Ben Affleck's over-the-top performance with his high-pitched voice throughout this movie. And then you get a grumpy Gandolfini throughout the entire movie, which is great. His main thing that he gets pissed off about is people eating his salami that he bought for himself that's in the fridge. (laughs) So, <laughs> that, that's what sets him off all the time <laughs> I wish I could mute you I wish we were in person so I could mute you right now Um, so this is one of those movies that hit at the right age because I was 14 when it came out in theaters I did not see it in the theaters so it's 15 when it came out on cable and I just remember me and my dad watching this and just enjoying the hell out of it for whatever reason it was it just hit at the right, right, at the, right at the point at the right point Um, Christina Applegate is the is the love interest in here she is a the plot of this film is uh, Ben Affleck um, is a commercial marketing guy where his uh, at the beginning of the movie he is pitching a pre-spiked eggnog that needs to be sold in stores because it gets you drunker faster And then uh, his girlfriend decides to leave him because he is not mature enough and not willing to settle down. So he decides to go back to his family home and set fire a list of grievances that he wrote on a notebook. And then James Gandolfini comes out, smacks him with a shovel because he thinks he's trying to burn the house down. And in retaliation, Ben Affleck decides he's going to give him $200,000 to let him stay there for the season. (laughs) That is the plot of this film. Oh, I assumed James Gandolfini was his dad.
0: No. so He pays him him to act like his dad. Correct.
1: So he was like, I'm trying to recapture this this therapy that he's going through. He's like, I need to recapture my childhood in this house. He's like, I will pay you $200,000 to let me stay here and act as my family for Christmas. So it's James Gandolfini and Catherine O'Hara, and they have one son that lives in the house. And He's trying to remember his grandfather as well, but they're like, we, we don't have a grandfather. He's like, well, we're going to hire a grandfather and we're going to call him Duda. <laughs> so they hire a grandpa. And then finally, Christina Applegate, who is the older daughter, who's uh, moved out of the house, comes back for Christmas, not knowing about this plan. And she's basically looking at everybody like, are you guys fucking crazy? Like, why are you doing this? This is dumb.
2: And of As course, if her parents wouldn't immediately call her and be like, hey, by the way, we have got a complete stranger <laughs> who's paid to live in the house for Christmas. So, I take this This back- is pre-Airbnb, too. It, it's yeah. like they're renting out a room. This is yeah. a, you know...
1: So I, I take back what I said about Saving Silverman being the weirdest plot. This is definitely the weirdest plot on my list.
0: This is this is the most depressing premise for a holiday movie I've ever heard. It's
1: not great, but I, I did have it on my list again because that is my favorite nickname for a grandpa I've heard in a movie is Doodah. I, do like, <laughs> Doodah. I do like that. It's like Peepaw or something like that. It's pretty good.
0: yeah, uh, some of my- yeah I, I I love that. I've always... Called my grandpa just grandpa, but I, I love finding out like those weird names that people have for their grandparents, like especially if I know that their grandparents outside of them, like I yeah. knew, like they were a teacher or something <laughs> like somebody I really respected. They were a war hero. They, you know, they've done all these cool things, had these life experiences. And then and a toddler like accidentally says something like like peepar or or, uh, poop head or something. And like, that's just what (laughs) grandpa's going to be called for the rest of time. (laughs) Just stuck.
1: Uh, So I I will openly admit this is not a good film, but again, it's one of those movies that hit at the right time. It had some of my favorite reviews that I've done uh, during the research process for this. One of which said tasteless, miserable and utterly flaccid surviving Christmas truly lives (laughs) up to its reputation as the last Turkey in the shop. (laughs) <laughs> wow! Uh, in 2003, movers received. Uh, sorry, in 2003, moviegoers received a gift in the form of Bad Santa. The following year, they got a lump of coal in the shape of this bad movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, and- I'm also noticing uh, comparing the font of the titles on the posters. Mm-hmm. Saving Silver in This one has basically the same kind of font, but this one's got like a Christmas serif to the font, you know. Which also, if you look at a lot of uh, big budget, normally not great, popcorn uh, comedies have very similar fat red fonts to uh, on their on their
1: posters. It is. Just the, check it out. The so. fat, the fat red font effect is in full effect here. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe I got that out without tongue. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the, my other favorite review is: the moral is that money can indeed buy happiness. <laughs> <laughs> it's 100% true
2: well so maybe it's the most truthful Christmas film ever
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it might be but uh, also uh, w-
2: w- why does Ben Affleck have a high voice in the film
1: no it's just he's always he's just he screams a lot so he's just like what do you mean you can't let me hear it's like he's like Charlie, uh, he Charlie days it a lot and it's just okay. very very weird okay. um, but like seeing Ben Affleck in a weird bad comedy is is kind of fun uh, especially when this is like just le- 'Cause he goes from like this, like very quickly like into Argo. <laughs> You're like, What yeah. happened in life here? But I think uh, he see, figured out see, he can't do comedies,
0: I think is what yeah. he figured
1: out. <laughs> yeah.
0: Seeing Gandolfini lower himself to such things is is a bizarre sight it's, as well.
1: It's I mean Catherine O'Hara too. I mean, it just is so yeah. sad to see like all of these pretty decent people in a not great movie.
0: They they love money. They do, they do. They love money.
1: And I, I couldn't I couldn't leave without giving you the common sense media parental warning on this film. Parents need to know that this movie includes jokes about incest, pornography, and marijuana. Characters drink and smoke and use some strong language. There comes There's comic peril and violence, including smacking someone with a shovel. The happy families Drew sees on Christmas include a gay couple, but this is intended to be humorous, not inclusive. You'll be lucky to survive this dumb movie.
2: (laughs) Wow. Scathing, scathing review from Common Sense Media.
0: Wow, that is brutal.
2: Nathan, I'm guessing you've never seen this.
0: I have not. And and I'm I'm a festive holiday loving guy, but this one just hasn't it hasn't uh, nudged. Uh, Emma Otter's Jug Band Christmas out of the rotation. <laughs>
2: yet. I was like, I, I haven't seen it yet either. Um, it it, it remind, at first when you said this, I, in my brain I had the poster and the fat red font of four Christmases in my brain, and I pulled it up and was like, "Oh wait, no, that's right. It's something it was a little, just a little different."
0: But was four Christmases the Tim Allen vehicle? No.
2: It was the uh, Vince Vaughn uh, Reese Witherspoon vehicle, so. which is oh.
1: directed by Seth Gordon, who also directed Identity Thief. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, you guys remember Fred Claus, that other Vince Vaughn holiday classic? Oh yeah, baby!
1: That one was Man. bad. Whew.
0: <laughs> I should There's a I, lot of bad holiday movies.
1: I might have put this on this list. I kind of enjoy Fred Claus <laughs> because it's so bad.
0: <laughs> we could we could have just done a, a Christmas. We can save it till December and do a Christmas edition. We That's will true. do
1: a Christmas edition for sure. I,
2: I I actually worked um I worked the the Chicago premiere of Fred Claus that Vince Vaughn was at and. uh It was it was a very strange party. He cordoned himself off in a roped off area at Navy uh, Pier Crystal Gardens and pointed at people who he wanted to have in his roped off area. Hot women. Um, And then (laughs) and like that was the and then everyone else was just kind of like, you know, enjoyed themselves and drank and ate, but just kind of like watched him do this. It was very strange. It was very odd. Um, odd. But uh, but the movie forgettable, you know, Uh, (laughs) but. (laughs) So, uh, and now it's time for my number one, right? Should we should, should yeah, check it, okay. it on us? You guys, you guys both know what this is, right? Say it, say it together on three, one, two, three. Cocktail. cocktail yes <laughs> everyone knew this was coming and for this pod i put on one of my favorite teas hello hi there hi go see my movies yeah um that wasn't a great tom cruise impression um but uh yeah of course cocktail everyone everyone uh, here on the pod knows um i i've uh, gathered you to watch this on my birthday a number of times um
0: I've seen you reenact it as a one-man show.
2: That's right. I not, did. not rehearsed,
0: just <laughs> prompted, and you said, I can do this, and you did.
2: <laughs> I totally forgot. Man, the, the, the power of malted hops, I tell you what, um, the energy behind it. Um, and that brings me right to one of my favorite lines, uh, stale beer out of rusty pipes. Uh, that's what he He tells his uncle uh, he serves at his shitty um, Brooklyn or Queens bar um, in the first like 10 minutes of the movie. And um, God, this is this is like peak 80s cruise. Um, He's he's uh, he's vain, um, but he doesn't know how to act cool. Um, And it's it's always weird to me because I remember asking actually, Brian, your dad to asking your dad about this of like if they went and saw this when it came out, he was like, yes, we did. It was like a, that was like a cool culture movie at the time. People in the eighties weren't like, "This is so fucking strange, this movie." But it is. It feels like um like a manic movie. Like it feels almost like you're like you're just you're you're going to different levels, very high and very low, back and forth. One of the biggest parts of the movie is it just cuts from a from a you know a smoky New York City alley. You know those classic shots in the eighties right to the Bahamas. And there's just boom. There's just like time cut. Everything just, it's like two movies split into two. Brian, you you were going to say something. I'll I'll let you jump in.
1: Can you give the folks the one sentence plot? We've discussed this several times of what this movie is about. What is Brian Flanagan's only goal in this movie?
2: Brian Flanagan wants a million dollars but he's not educated enough and he's too dumb to get a normal job. <laughs> yes. So he, fin- so he finds his way into a bar and becomes a bartender. And I guess uses his, you know, his, his cute face and his, and his loose hips and, uh, to <laughs> become a, a, a favorite, a favorite in both New York city and, and, uh, Jamaica. Oh my God. Um, and, uh, and it might he's, be the,
0: he's most... the the last barman poet, isn't that? Yeah. Yes. That,
2: <laughs> that is absolutely true. Um and I I, I wish I memorized his speech ah, for that because I, um, I would say it now. Um uh but uh one of my favorite scenes is actually from that 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 portion of the movie. He's he's working um at a giant New York City bar called the Cell Block, and uh, <laughs> him and his him and his uh, bartender friend Douglas Cogland are dressed in um, prisoner shirts. That's like their uniform at the bar. And, uh, and his love interest, played by uh, Gina Gershon, who is a photographer, um, who comes from money. She's just a little rich girl, which they just hate that she has money. It's very, it's very strange. There's a lot of weird hate that goes on. Even though that's
1: all they want is to have money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
2: They're like, all they want is to be is the best yuppie, but they hate all the best no yuppies sense. before they get to be the best yuppie. Um, and she asked for a drink. And he says, how about, uh, how about an orgasm? Cause you know that's a classic '80s cocktail, and then he, and he's like, "How many do you want?" And she's like, "Multiple." And he's like, "Oh yeah." And that so and, and it continues on. Um, but uh, <laughs> that I, 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 is. I I wrote this down here. The Australian Douglas Coglin is the is the old bartender who kind of teaches him the ways. And I was thinking about it, like, who does he remind me of? And I and I don't know if this is correct, but I wrote this down. It, it it's as if Tom Hanks and Mel Gibson had a son. And he got Tom's hair, hips and shoulders from the film Bachelor Party and the rest from Mel Gibson. So, you know, pretty boring to watch on screen. And, you know, you, you're worried about what's going on inside his head. Um,
0: and it's a huge relief when he kills himself. <laughs> <laughs> That,
1: i you know, shouldn't like, have <laughs> but yeah it's a horrible that's, part of the
0: movie it, it's it's so out of left field like yeah you don't think you're watching a movie that's gonna have one of the main characters commit suicide and then he does and you're just like, oh yep. okay, yeah okay i guess <laughs> and they, I've, I've only seen this movie a couple of times but i remember like it's it, none of it makes any sense it's nope. a complete mismatch of styles but it's memorable. Like I remember every single part of it because yep. it's just each part is just like, wait, what? That was next? No, <laughs> no. It's yeah, and it's
1: based on a book, right? The same writer wrote the screenplay. Correct. Yes. Um.
2: Uh. uh Roger Donaldson is that the guy that wrote? No, the book? no, no.
0: He directed it. Haywood Gold.
2: Haywood oh. Gold. Yes.
1: Because uh, I can't. Uh, never, that name's great.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's a great name. I, I wanted to mention too the the weapon he or quote unquote weapon he uses to kill himself. Is um the bottle of like Louis XIII cognac that Brian brings as a gift um because it's a bet he made because Doug said, You'll be working for me in under a year. So he <laughs> so he brings them this bottle, is like, yep, you're right, here I am asking for a job. They have some, and Brian leaves, and then he breaks the bottle and cuts his own throat with the bottle. <laughs> which is just that's horrible. Like I, why? It just Get an exact, so, uh, exact tool, at least. I don't know. That's maybe that's
0: too dark. But then the movie has a happy ending.
2: <laughs> it does. Yeah. It's just like an inexplicable happy ending. Him and Elizabeth um, Shue get together and uh, they have kids um, and it's twins. Um, <laughs>
0: so. <laughs> and you just, uh, you know, they're going to have a wonderful, fulfilling life with those two parents. Yeah. Yeah. Who- it's, yeah, they just—it's such an undeserved happy ending. Like, it absolutely is, and and also
2: after they first meet, they have. There's, um, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. Um, they have the the most like just utterly grotesque, um, like gratuitous waterfall makeout scene, mm-hmm. where like you can tell in the filming she feels uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But Tom is just going for it. And like he I, you can also tell he uses a lot of tongue in this movie when he's kissing, which is just gross. <laughs> yeah, it's not like nice. Tom, be a professional. What are you doing? And uh, and then they ride horses on the beach. So it's this fairy tale thing. And then a scene later, he throws it all away for a fifty dollar bet from a drunk at the bar who's like, I bet you can't bed that old woman down that, you know, quote unquote old woman. Yeah. Even though she's she was twenty eight.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And
2: he he throws it all away for fifty bucks, and she she says that to him, and he, and he, and the, and the reasoning for throwing it all away is, when a guy lays down a bet, you gotta take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's unconscionable, uh, Tom. Unconscionable.
0: The, the thing I the thing I found absolutely unbelievable out of all the things that don't make any sense in this movie is actually when he does the barman poet thing. It's like I've been to bars. Nobody is ever gonna shut up and listen to the bartender do that stupid little poem. <laughs> no. Like that, you could hear a pin drop in that enormous club with hundreds of people. That would never happen under any circumstances. No, never.
2: Absolutely not. Not never. even if there
1: was an emergency.
0: <laughs> like, no, it would not happen. Never.
2: No, absolutely not. Um. So yeah, this yeah this movie is you know y- y- you 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 got to relish, um, Tom Cruise's like insane 80s energy yeah um and and i myself you know was an ironic tom cruise quote unquote fan at first but i have kind of become one now and this movie is this is definitely so bad it's good um there's a lot of like there's some uh, tom cruise does some like drunk singing in it as well that's very strange
0: it my parents had the uh the best-selling soundtrack that uh this had a very iconic 80s soundtrack we had the, the tape so i listened to the soundtrack of this in the car a lot there's like you got robert palmer's addicted to love i think um mm-hmm. all kinds of 80s classics uh,
2: the uh, kokomo's in there yeah there, there were some people online that said this is just um an excuse for roger donaldson to like film in the in jamaica and have his favorite rock songs play on a movie so <laughs> pretty much and that's yeah so um it's a, it's, oh, and there's also, there's some insane gratuitous butt shots in this where a scene starts and a, you know, a woman is like climbing down a ladder on a yacht and you just see her, her butt takes up like seven eighths of the frame just for no reason. <laughs> like they didn't, they didn't need to do that. Um, so yeah, that's, but that's my number one. Um, All
0: right. Well, it is, it is one of the most ridiculous movies ever made. uh quint, The quintessential bad movie that's fun to watch, I think. Yeah. So you're, you're going to take three points for this round. Thank Mitch. you. Thank you, Brian. Um, I'm looking forward to watching this with you next Christmas. I can something, you know, as we come out of the pandemic, we can drink some eggnog and uh, watch this movie together, the three of us. And I, so I'm looking forward to that. So I'm going to give you two points. And that rounds out the final score. Mitch Brinkman, nine. Brian Ernst, ten.
2: Because <laughs> I follow the rules. Oh, man. man. Uh,
0: it's really amazing what a little self-discipline will do for you.
2: <laughs> can I just, can I I, I, I just need to say something quick about eggnog. Um, so Please. The, the, the fact that, that that he's pitching an alcoholic eggnog that's pre-alcoholed, that's what eggnog is. Eggnog doesn't, eggnog has alcohol. Elk, eggnog you buy that doesn't have alcohol in it. That's not eggnog. That's an egg drink. Okay. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to put that out there as someone who is a, an eggnog aficionado and makes it themselves every Christmas and puts more than enough uh, uh rum and brandy in it. All eggnog should have alcohol in it. You should not be drinking non-alcoholic eggnog. Just drink something that's healthier. You'll you, you'll thank me later. That's it. Thank you. Sorry. I'm, I actually
0: you. can't drink uh, eggnog because when I was a kid, I went to pour myself some of the non-alcoholic eggnog we had, but it had gone bad. And I did not realize that until I actually mm-hmm. took a sip and it was just the most vile, awful thing. So I can't even, the taste of eggnog now will just make me See, lose it.
2: N- now, Nathan, the eggnog I make tastes nothing like store-bought eggnog. So this Christmas... I'm going to make a damn good batch and I just want you to have a little sip just to try and and, and we'll see where we're at. Okay, I'll put it out there. I'll,
0: I'll, I'll try and I'll also, I'll bring some uh, extra towels from home. <laughs> <Really clean> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> but when a man lays down a bet, you got to follow through. You got to take it. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that is uh, just about the end of the show, but I am going to give you my fast five now. Uh, that was the top five cars of all time ready guys ready. ready number five greatest car of all time james bond's aston martin db5 from goldfinger the most classic of all the james uh, bond cars sets the precedent of having completely impractical gadgets that would just so happen to work once for a very 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 specific situation <laughs> that occurs in that movie and then never again for the rest of the series number four power wheels pow pow power wheels pow pow power makes them go so <laughs> I, at least i assumed that this was a great car but i i, I didn't know because i wanted one more than anything when i was a kid and i asked for one for christmases and birthdays and i never got one and then i got a bike and i would ride my bike up and down the driveway pretending it was a power wheels <laughs> i didn't i didn't have the wherewithal to realize that i was going faster and having more fun on my bike than i would have in a power wheels But my parents did eventually get me an actual car, so I guess I'll give them a pass. (laughs) Um, Number three, greatest cars of all time is Cars, 2006 Pixar film. Uh, So I've never seen this, but it was the last performance of Paul Newman, Screen Legend. Mm -hmm. And it also has one of the greatest stand-up comedians and one of the worst stand-up comedians. George Carlin and Larry the Cable Guy. I'll let you decide for yourself which one is which.
1: I think we all know.
2: <laughs> Wait, who's who, who's George Carlin?
0: Uh, no, I'm kidding. He was, he, was, he, was from, he was from Shining Time Station. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, number two, Rick Ocasek, lead singer and songwriter of The Cars, Ooh. 70s uh, band. Great band. I, I listened to uh, the best of playlist this morning. I made it through three whole songs before I turned it off. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> So, Rick Ocasek, RAP, passed away uh, last 2019.
2: Also, I just wanted to say to the listeners, Ryan, uh, I'm going to call you Ryan. Nathan, Nathan only owns Best of Albums. I just want to put that out there. Okay, go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Number one, the greatest car of all time, the 2010 Toyota Camry. Oh, oh, functional, fun, functional midsize sedan that seats five scored moderately well on safety ratings and in consumer reports. Sure, it might not have all the bells and whistles of the cars your friends got, but you shouldn't be scrolling through your Spotify playlist while you're driving anyway. And I had to learn to parallel park without a camera, so you can, too. This will get you and your prom date or you and your date to prom safely with good gas mileage. And Toyota just lasts forever. So if you get that summer job down at the Tasty Freeze I told you about, maybe you can save up and trade this in for something nicer with your own money.
1: Like a like a RAV4. Yeah. <laughs>
0: also, also I do actually drive a 2010 Toyota Camry. So there you go.
2: Also, it, it rides five in the main cabin, but you can put two or three in the trunk, so. <laughs>
0: well, uh, that is it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the best
1: transition <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> uh, it just just, uh, just reminded me of something I gotta take care of after we're done recording this Hey-o. hey oh uh, okay well that is this week's edition of Uber Cinco joining me from Berwyn Illinois has been Brian Ernst and from here in Chicago
2: Mitch Brinkman
0: <laughs> and I have been Nathan Hennenfent and as Bisbear always says I'll see you again when the river meets the sea A Wiedersehen adios
1: You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from.
2: If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay.
0: Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys.